Warning, the podcast you're about to hear has a unique conservative perspective and may be politically incorrect, containing some controversy in its message. This episode may speak out against liberalism, socialism, the dark state, and religious organizations. It is possible that evil in politics, education, law, society, and religion will be discussed and exposed. However, we believe this podcast adds truth and value to a mature, disenfranchised audience who may be tired of apostate religions and wicked world systems. Listeners who are easily offended, overly sensitive, or have progressive leanings sympathetic to the topics we expose should be forewarned not to listen any further. We thank both those who choose to listen as well as those who choose not to listen. You've been warned. And now, let us get on with the show. Hello, everyone. This is Paul E. Levin. P.E. Levin. It's my new name. Welcome to another installment of the Freedom Friday Hour. This is a short one. I just want to show you something. I want to show you how to drink coffee. No. Now I always talk about, you know, you got to Berean everything that anybody says, including myself. You got to Berean. I would hope that you would kind of research it. And eh, is this true? Well, um, I really loved, I really love reformed theology. I love all the dead guys. You know, I love Charles Spurgeon and R.C. Sproul and uh, Martin Luther and John Calvin. Uh, though I'm not like a hardcore Calvinist or anything like that, uh, the Reformation was a, a a point in time where God spoke and took his people out of pagan Catholicism and out of pagan rituals in the Catholic Church and indulgences. In other words, the Catholic Church was getting money for services. Uh, one of the things was like purgatory. So they taught that your family members were burning in hell somewhere, punished, being punished to purge the last remnants of their sin. And that uh, for a certain price, for a certain amount of money, uh, you can get your relative out of purgatory. And so that played on people's fear and their guilt and their, you know, you no one wants their loved one, you know, being purged in hell. And totally unbiblical stuff. So, you know, with the Reformation, Martin Luther nailed 95 theses on the Wittenberg door. And um, that basically started the Reformation. Um, and, you know, when you when you listen to the story of Martin Luther, and, there, and there's been biographies uh, written by him. One is by Dr. Stephen Lawson, who's a, a teacher. I mean, he's way out there and this <laughs> what a great great teacher and he preaches his teaching um but when you when you hear the story or you read the story about these reformers and their lives and what they gave up martin luther um was excommunicated from the church it wasn't like today oh you just go down to the church behind walmart and start all over again it wasn't like that uh the whole thing was the catholic church and if you were excommunicated, you were cursed, you were anathema, and you would lose everything in society, uh, if not even your life, uh, if they deemed you a heretic. So, I mean, he was um, excommunicated. He was, um, there was a, uh, a warrant put out for his head uh, for death to kill him. On his way back home, his friends had kidnapped him so he wouldn't go home because they knew uh, he would be ex uh, executed at home. 
and he was coming back from what he thought was a debate, and it turned out to be a trial. So his friends hid him in a in a, ca a castle for um, over a year, I believe. He was hidden in this castle, and um, during this time, God used him to translate the uh, New Testament from Greek to English, the first English translation. Um, only Latin was spoken in the Catholic Church, and so only educated, intelligent people uh, could speak Latin, and so the laity... Uh, had to hear the mass in Latin and, and everything was written in Latin. So the word of God basically was hidden from him. And of course the Catholic church uh, twisted and misused and abused the scriptures uh, like many do today for their own gain. Uh, and then God had raised up men like Martin Luther and before him John Huss and things like that who actually gave their lives um, and were burned at the stake or killed or beheaded for that and when you hold that word of god in your hand when you hold that bible in your hand many of us today we don't realize what um, a great price was paid for the word of god in our language to read it and uh, all we do is complain that we don't like the fox leather or um, the box it came in or maybe even the translation uh, but it wasn't like you could just go on amazon and order a bible or you know, just get one everywhere. And so uh, Martin Luther was the first one to translate the Bible into English. And at the time, the Gutenberg printing press was out and uh, it started a reformation, started where the, the layman could have the word of God in their hand, among other men and other uh, people that helped do that. So when you look at these these stories of, of the Word of God and how God preserved His Word throughout the centuries, you really appreciate what you have and um, not take it for granted. So it's a shame that so many of us today not only take it for granted, we don't even read it, let alone study it or understand it. And, and that's why the modern-day church in, in Western America especially, but all over, I see it all over. I see it at Congo. I see it in Africa uh, Brazil, India, these these uh, new apostolic reformation, the NAR type of churches, uh, hyper charismatic churches, are completely out of their mind. My opinion, they're demon possessed. My opinion, they have demons. They're so deceived. Um, but for a man or a woman to take the scriptures and twist them for their personal gain is like going up to the throne of God and slapping his knee or you know what I mean um it's not okay it's not okay so I opened up with that to tell you this uh, because I love the reformation I love reformed theology because it's biblical theology it's only the scripture reformed theology real reformed theology it's only the scripture it's only grace you're only saved by grace the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ it's only faith that saves you. No works, no indulgences, no pew taxes, no getting people out of purgatory. Only faith, only grace, only the scripture, and only the glory of God. And uh, these are pillars. <laughs> they're, they're pillars, they're foundational. Uh, 
and men like uh, Martin Luther and Swigley and, and John Calvin uh, built on these foundations. And uh, so Reformed theology is biblical theology. A lot of this, the nonsense that we have today is simply that. It's just nonsense and uh, twisting the scripture and bizarre. And when it comes to eschatology, uh, the Reformed theology is a lot more balanced. You don't have that whole left behind thing and the Antichrist coming every 10 minutes and doing this and doing the marks of the beast and all that nonsense. You have a historical perspective of what happened to the early church in 8070. And I've been preaching that for a long time. The importance of understanding history, what happened in 8070 to the early church and why Jesus gave those seven letters and revelation to those very real churches at that very real time and it was a fulfillment of all things he came back in his wrath it was a lamb's wrath it was a judgment upon the jewish nation for rejecting their messiah a divorce certificate to israel and gentiles were grafted into that branch so the early church was purely jewish um, and then the gentiles were grafted in once the temple system was destroyed, you can no longer practice Judaism or Levitical law. All right? So you've heard me talk about this. I can talk about it again if you want. Email me at paul at kapowradioshow.com if you want me to keep talking about this stuff, and I will. I'll read to you Josephus, the Jewish historian, if you want me to. But uh, when you read Josephus, you will see Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. You'll see it all, and you'll see all that prophecy, and you'll see it fulfilled. It's incredible. So anyway, Reformed theology. My head's there. So here I am in Mesquite, Nevada, and I I tell Miss Kapow, hey, let's see if we can find a good Reformed church. There's only a few churches out here. I mean, we got maybe... I mean, compared to Southern California, where I came from, where there's a church on every strip mall, um, you know, and where we came from, we were just right there by Calvary Chapel, Marietta, California, the home of Calvary Chapel. So every little church that came out of Calvary had its own name, and they were all the same. There was dozens of them everywhere, schools everywhere. Come out here, it's a big Mormon community, and you got a big Catholic church. And then you have several um, Baptists, different types of Baptists. One one bigger one and a couple of small ones. Uh, and then um, the church that we attend is uh, like Foursquare. You know, I was raised Foursquare when I was four years old. Evangelical, it's Foursquare, but it's not really Foursquare. The pastor came from Calvary Chapel, and he just recently uh, went to the Foursquare denomination. Um, because it kind of fit everything better for him than being independent. Um, what does that mean? Uh, well, probably retirement. Retirement benefits. I don't know. I'm adjusting my hat because it looks crooked. Or is it my face? Maybe my face is crooked. I think my head's crooked. I got a crooked head. I think it's nuts. Uh, I think I need to start over and chop my head off and put another head on here. Maybe a potato head. Anyway, I digress. So anyway, um, there's uh, 
There's a couple stores. There's no mega churches out here, nothing like that. It's very small. So it's it's your your choices are pretty limited. Um, you have to go to Vegas to find a bigger church. And the ones I've seen there are, ooh. So anyway, it's a little different uh, than, and we have one Calvary Chapel here. Sorry, but it's hard. So I told Lessa, let's see if we can find uh, a, a church out here that maybe subscribes to Reformed theology and at least, you know, go there for Bible study or something, you know, where, you know, where they're not teaching Beth Moore or uh, Francis Chan during women's and men's Bible study. I mean, a true story. I mean, I go to men's Bible study because I want to be around other broken people. And, you know, it's Francis Chan, crazy love videos. I mean... I ain't got time for that, you know? And then women's Bible study, they just got done doing the book of Daniel. Oh, that's good. I'd love to do book of Daniel. Taught by Beth Moore. I'm not going to that. So, so I, I thought, well, maybe if we can find a good Reformed church that subscribes to Reformed theology, we can find a good Bible study at least and go on Wednesdays or something. I mean, we don't have to attend that church, but just kind of go and... Get fed, maybe. Maybe, you know, be around other people that kind of think like you do. So here's what I want to show you, uh, how you have to breathe and everything. So we have one Presbyterian church here in town. Um, there's a there's a Lutheran church here, which basically is Catholic light. And there's a Methodist church. Uh, they have a female pastor and um, yeah, very nice. Everybody's really nice people, but it's just not my thing. You know what I'm saying? And... Um, so we have one Presbyterian church uh, in a strip mall, basically. Yeah. So, hey, let's check this out because they just got a brand new pastor. And the pastor put out his bio on the uh, in the newspaper or online because we don't even have a newspaper in this community. It's all online. So he put his bio out and introduced himself. And I, it was like, he was like, man, this sounds like a really nice guy. You know, it, very educated, obviously. And very experienced. Um, and his, you know, he's retired now. He lives here where I do. He lives in Sun City. He's my neighbor somewhere here. And um, he's retired. And um, he just had a lot of experience pastoring and things like that. It sounded like a good dude to kind of know. You know, kind of cool. <coughs> Excuse me, COVID. I had COVID. And um, I have COVID and now I gave it to all of you. Because I'm not wearing a mask. So anyway, tough. Um, so I like this guy, what I read, and I said, well, let's, let's try this out. I was going to email him, too, some stupid stuff like, uh, you know, I love like Reformed theology. Do you subscribe to this? Well, you know, like that, but don't, yeah, it's like, Paul, don't be an idiot. Just just go and see. But before I go, I have to kind of bring in it. I have to kind of check it out and see what's going on. So here's what I want to show you. I want to show you my train of thought. And um, to 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 check this church out. So I, first thing I do is I go and I I look at their uh, website, and it looks really uh, it looks good looks good. Um, you know it's modern. Now I live in a very uh, older community. Everybody's retired and old. So to see a modern kind of looking website here, minimalist is kind of cool. Valley Presbyterian Church that's cool. Got the Isaiah scripture there, yeah. Uh, here's the stuff they do. They support each other and they share. And 
they seek fellowship and, you know they're known for loving the voice of the community and hope faith worship community yeah hey this sounds great everything sounds good you can connect with them uh their hours uh you know they got one service on sunday and wednesday bible study and here's their address and stuff um looks good so you start digging a little deeper and about us and the leadership and you know their ministries they got some ministries going on and look at i'll be hanging around these guys here and um these christmas shoe boxes food bank you know highland manor assisted living um so you know uh you go to leadership and then you read about their uh their new pastor uh, he was a, a ex-FBI guy, ex-cop. That's cool. U.S. Marine. You know, my kind of guy. Um, he's the narrator for the Southern Nevada Symphony Orchestra. You know, he's a good dude. Lives here with us in Sun City. And um, everything looks cool. And then I go here to their history. Try to find out a little more. Because because there's several, there's several types of Presbyterian churches. And some are very liberal. And I, I need to know which one, you know, before I go in, it's just like burying the word of God. You have to bury in uh, the church you're going to go to. You can't just, you walk into a church anymore and just, you know, set up shop. It's like, you got to kind of figure out who's running the place and where they come from. And, you know, what they're back, even if they're independent, you got to know where they kind of come from because that's going to affect the teaching and stuff. So it's just something to keep in mind, not a big deal, but you, you, you need to know what, you know, what the basis is. So I'm looking for Reformed theology. That's cool. So I know Presbyterian are, you know, very Reformed, so that's cool. So, hey, this, everything's pretty good, and the pastor looks good. And here's a history of everything. And, you know, they just were formed in 2008. So that's kind of cool, and here's uh, blah, blah, blah. Now, they did have a female. They did have a female pastor here, Reverend Mary Cox. And um, that's not biblical, you know. I mean, oh, what does the Apostle Paul know? We'll just ignore that about women being over men. You know, it could be just be a cultural thing, right, guys? I don't know. But um, I'm not interested in sitting under a female pastor, but she's no longer there. They they have male pastors there, according to the Bible. So, But they did do that, so that's kind of weird. Uh, so let's just check it out. And then I read this, and here's in 2008... Uh, Dr. Jerry Hurst of the Synod of the Pacific invited all those interested in starting the Presbyterian Church to join him. And uh, this this community here before 2008 was growing uh, exponentially. And then the the eight uh, the crash the Obama crash of 2008 hit, and Nevada was hit like one of the the hardest in the in the nation. And um, you still, you come to my community and it's, there's a lot of like brand new looking streets, brand new buildings and stuff, and they're empty. It's really cool. It's kind of like living in a real nice community with a whole, with not a whole lot of people, <laughs> um, but really nice uh, road work and really nice, uh, big, huge highways put in and, and nothing there because everything just stopped. So... Uh, they were going to put this Presbyterian church here back in 2008. So that's what they did. Synod of Pacific. So that gave me a little hint what, what that might have been. So I typed that in. I went to, um, let me move this uh, stupid bar out of the way here. I went to the Synod of the Pacific and I found out what that is. And basically what they are is they're, they're a judiciary over the Presbyterian uh, churches. And here's what they do here. Here's, here's 
uh, the regional map. If you can see that, they do uh, California, uh, Oregon, uh, Idaho, uh, here's Nevada, blah, blah, blah. Uh, most of the liberal states, right? And um, so, you know, they offer insurance, uh, loans uh, for the churches and things like that. So they're kind of almost like overseers. They have a mission statement, blah, blah, but nothing, nothing here that's, you know, outstandingly wrong, except this. Presbyterian Church USA, and that got my hackles up because studying, you know, the churches as I do in the different, where they come from, Presbyterian Church USA or PCUSA is what they're known as, is very uh, liberal. They're very, very liberal. So uh, reformed theology, real reformed theology is not liberal, it's biblical. So here's people here in the Presbyterian Church USA of the of the Pacific. They have like 11 churches or presbyteries, overseers, um, under 500 churches, but quite a bit. And, you know, a couple thousand members, uh, the the membership is dying down because it's an older generation. They're very wealthy. They got a lot of money. And they're high, they're highly educated, which could tell you some of the reason why they went sideways biblically. And uh, so here here you are. This is about them. This is the Presbyterian Church of the USA. Uh, it says the Presbyterian Church USA, abbreviated PC USA. If you ever see that, you got to know that it's very very progressive. It's not biblical Christianity. It's progressive Christianity. And they've had a lot of splits and they've had a lot of problems, eh, you know, from the 1600s or 1700s on, unfortunately. It says a pro it's a pro Protestant denomination in the United States, a part of the Reformed tradition, and it's not. Um, I mean, it is in the sense that they call themselves Reformed, Reformed tradition. You know, they're not charismatics or evangelicals in that sense, but they, they're certainly not uh, biblical. They're certainly not following the Bible. They follow culture. And I'll show you in a bit. It's the largest Presbyterian denomination in the U.S. Um, and it's known, wait, where'd it go? And it's known for its relatively progressive stance on doctrine. Uh-oh. So when you see stuff like that, your hackle should start getting up. Now, here I am on the Wikipedia, uh, Presbyterian Church USA. And it goes, it's pretty good uh, Wikipedia page because it goes through all of their basically history that they're considered progressive, you know, all their their attendance and it, all their breakdown. And it, it, this is kind of cool, their history from the ninth century, their breakaways and all this stuff. Here's their origin. And their origin comes from the Protestant Reformation. That's good, right? John Calvin, uh, John Knox, um, you know, all these guys, but they don't hold true to uh, the biblical mandate anymore. So just because somebody comes from the Reformation or somebody comes from Calvary Chapel or somebody comes from the Ford Square Gospel or, or the Assemblies of God or whatever, or the Baptist or the Southern Baptist, you know, and that's Beth Moore. Southern Baptist, Beth Moore's that's their darling, you know, so... She's Southern Baptist. They, they went sideways. If you look at the Southern Baptists now, they're doing all kinds of weird stuff, ecumenical stuff. So just because they say they're a denomination or they come from something doesn't mean that they still are biblical. 
All right. So that's all I'm trying to get the point across is that we need to bring in even the churches and the people that we associate with so that you're not sideswiped as you're sitting there one Sunday with your, your nose, you know, your finger in your nose, you know, and then one hand in the offering bucket and your finger in the nose. And then you hear something that's totally unbiblical and, you know, you're crushed now. So if you know before going in, you kind of got it. And so it goes in here's the 19th century all their splits. Here's the 20th century uh, to present, um, you know, and they had problems with fundamentalist Christianity, right? Um, the movement. And so uh, they, there were some who considered themselves a modernist Christianity, also known as liberal theology. It's a movement that seeks to interpret and reform Christian teaching by taking into consideration modern knowledge, science, and ethics. It also emphasizes the authority of individual reason and experience over the Bible. See, so if you're going to a church that has a problem between fundamentalist Christianity um, and modernist Christianity, you, you have a problem. And so here's some of the splits. Now, here's the mergers here. And they merge with several churches uh, because there's another uh, Presbyterian church called the... Um, the United Presbyterian in the United States of America. It's very confusing. They, they sound alike. They had merged with them, and then I think they split again. I don't know. It's, there's a lot to read here. Um, and here's their confessions, the Westminster Confession, Shorter Catechism, Heidelberg Catechism, all this stuff, which some of it they've changed to fit their uh, modern uh, approach now. So anyway, here we go that um, there was an attempt to reunite the United Presbyterian Church in the USA with the Presbyterian Church in the United States. They sound very similar. In the 50s, but it failed because uh, the latter church, the one that wasn't all progressive, was unwilling to accept ecclesiastical centralization. So none of this is biblical anyway, none of this uh, behavior. But so... Um, in the meantime, there was a conservative group that broke away from the Presbyterian Church in the United States in 1973, and mainly over the issue of women uh, teaching men, <laughs> uh, you know, as opposed to following uh, the the Word of God, the New Testament. And so they saw the church drifting towards theological liberalism, so they formed this particular church the Presbyterian Church in America, or the PCA, and it goes on and on and on, all the different splits. So anyway, the merger essentially consolidated uh, modern, moderate to liberal American Presbyterians in one body, uh, other U.S. Presbyterian bodies, and blah, 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 blah. So it's just a mess. Everything's a mess. And it says, um, for the most part, PCUSA Presbyterians, not unlike similar Mainline traditions such as Episcopal Church and the United Church of Christ are fairly progressive on matters such as doctrine, environmental issues, sexual morality. They're very progressive on sexual morality and economic issues. And uh, they remain divided and conflicted, blah, blah, blah. And none of that should be. None of that's biblical. And um, Christ never mandated we form these big uh, churches and organizations and fight and split and splinter and cause problems while the rest of the world dies and goes to hell. It's just stupid. So check this out. 
social justice initiatives and um, renewal movements. Um, 20s, 2000s, 2010s, I'm sorry, 1990s, 2000s, 2010s. The General Assembly or PCUSA adopted several social justice initiatives covered a, right, a wide range of uh, topics, including stewardship of God's creation. So in other words, um, you know, ecology and, you know, global warming and stuff, world hunger, homelessness, and LGBT issues. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender issues. As of 2011, the PCUSA, the church that I was looking to go to to have a Bible study, maybe on a Wednesday, this one here in my town belongs to the PCUSA. It says here, as of 2011, the PCUSA no longer excludes partnered gay and lesbian ministries from the ministry. Previously, the PCUSA required its ministers to remain chastely in singleness with fidelity in marriage. Currently, the PCUSA permits teaching elders to perform same-gender marriages. Uh, on a congregational basis, individual sessions may choose to permit same-gender marriages. And these changes have led to several renewal movements and denominational splinters. So then they split again because of this. And some conservative-minded groups in the PCUSA, such as the Confessing Movement and the Presbyterian Lay Committee, have remained in the main body rather than leaving to form new breakaway groups. So anyway, then they have a bunch of breakaway <laughs> groups. And so um, there's one uh, individual I listen to. Uh, he's a very good teacher. And I listen to him on YouTube. I'm not going to give the name because I, you know, I really, I don't know that much about his church, but he's been going to a Presbyterian church for the last 40 years. And he's an outstanding uh, Bible teacher. And I learn a lot from him. So I don't know. I would imagine he's not part of this, um, but I couldn't guarantee it. You know, I don't know. So I'm not going to mention his name or anything unless until I find out exactly what the deal is. I hope he's not because I really enjoy his teaching. He's a very bright guy. And I've learned a lot from him. Um, more of a historicist. Uh, so anyway, that that's it. I, it's kind of just a little short video. I wanted to... Um, uh, just kind of remind you, you know, when, when you hear somebody say something, you know, you got to ask yourself the question, where is that found in the scripture? Sola Scriptura. Where is that in the Bible? Where is it? Where's the address? I need to find it. Not just one verse. I need in context. Is that what it says? Do other parts of the scripture confirm what it says? You have to Berean. You have to show yourself approved. Who approves you? God approves you. If you don't study, you don't show yourself approved to the very God you say you served. It's not okay to be willfully ignorant. If you have a thought, if you have a dream or a vision and you just have a thought, you know, God made coffee. Coffee's good. Therefore, People who drink coffee are of God. If I have that thought, I need to ask myself at some point, where's that found in Scripture? Where can I verify that? Well, obviously I can't because in the Scripture, there's no, there's no, there's no Scripture about coffee. 
But there's also no scripture about taking anything in that's going to make you holy because you're not holy. Only God could make you right standing with him because his son paid the price for your sins, period. That's what's in the Bible. So the same type of fervor we have for scripture and finding truth is the same type of fervor we need to have when we're looking at a body. Or how about a Facebook group? You get these? How many people, well, there are a lot of people out there listening to me, have Facebook groups. So you get an invite to a Facebook group. And it's a topic. Uh, let's say Jesus and Aliens Facebook group. You need to ask yourself the question, do I want to join that? Do I want to participate in that discussion? Do I want to be part of this body? <clears throat> That's up to you. It's your answer to God. But for me, Paul E. Levin, in my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Okay? Stay safe. Keep looking up. Stay strong in the Lord. Not in your own strength, but in the Lord. Bring in everything. Question things. And be careful who you associate with and who you align yourself with and who you allow to teach you. Because not everybody's good. All right? So, good night. And we'll talk to you later.